Hey, this is Chris Rosales from Punchline, and you're listening to the Iron City Rocks podcast. Yeah. Hey, this is Vinny Paul from Hell Yeah, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Come on now. Hey, this is Tim Brennan from the Dropkick Murphys, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, everybody. My name is Dick Dale, king of the surf guitar, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Listen to the thunder. City Rocks Podcast. I am your host, John, and this is episode 180. We'd like to thank you for joining us. For those who are new to the show, we take a look at some of the best hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music in the country with just a hair of Pittsburgh uh, accent to it. Uh, and for those of you who are joining us, again, we'd like to thank you for coming back. Episode 180, we're going to go in a bit of a different direction. In episode 179, we had the mighty Cannibal Corpse Death Metal Legends. Episode 180, we're going to go in about a 180 degree different direction with the Bastard Bearded Irishman. Uh, not all that long ago we had uh, a member of the Dropkick Murphys on as they came through Pittsburgh and uh, got a really good response and we've not kind of been keeping our eye on an upstart band in the Pittsburgh area called the Bastard Bearded Irishman who have just captured uh, in Pittsburgh's city paper the 2012 Best Band uh, Award in their Reader's Poll so we thought maybe it was time to finally unleash them on the world so we caught up with Danny Rechtenwald, who was the mandolin player and banjo player with the band, and I had a uh, really long conversation with him. Really, really enjoyed talking to him. He's got a lot of really great musical ability uh, and education, which made it really a, a fun conversation. So we're going to get into that. But to give you a taste of what the band's all about, here's a track from their first album, which is self-titled. This track is called Sail On, Sail Away. Thank you. 
All right, I'd like to welcome to the show from the band The Bastard Bearded Irishman, we have Danny Rechtenwald. How are you doing, Danny? Good. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. Uh, for those of uh, of our audience who are or maybe either living under a rock in Pittsburgh or are not uh, from the Pittsburgh area, The Bastard Bearded Irishman have been around um, been around for a little while now, but you guys have really started to, to, to gain some momentum, it seems like, in the last year or so. Um, do you want to kind of describe your sound or what your goal is, you know, sound-wise? Sure, yeah. Um, I guess the closest thing that we sound like would be, like, Flying Molly or Dropkick Murphy, sort of like a blend between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have our own sound because we have, you know, a, a strong mandolin and fiddle sound on top of the punk rock sound underneath, you know. Um, and actually, our fiddle player plays a viola too. So a viola is like a a, a little bit lower range than the violin. Uh, yeah. So it's a little bit different than most Irish bands. Yeah. Now, when, so, you, when I'm sorry, when, when I think of a band like Dropkick Murphys, um, very political in nature. Do you guys delve into that, I, or, or is it more of a traditional sort of lyric? Right. Yeah. It's uh, that's a good question. Like <clears throat> we. You know, it's kind of funny because some of the guys in the band are in unions, um, and we we don't really kind of, like, preach it at all, mm-hmm. like, sort of like the Dropkick Murphys do, but we do have songs that are, uh, you know, about, like, you know, working during the week and then drinking on the weekends, and then we have a song even called Land of the Free that kind of, uh, you know, that we, you know, we want to remember, I don't know, sort of veterans and, sure. you know, people that work hard. Um, and even being an Irish band, we don't really even mess around with rebel songs, you know, yeah. or pro-IRA or anti-IRA, just because we, you know, we don't want to... First of all, we're all Americans, as yeah. uh, as Jim, the lead man, he, he, he wants everyone to think he's from Ireland. But <laughs> we... Yeah, but we really don't mess with it because we don't want to offend anybody. Um, but we also really, it's basically, we see that everybody's the same and we're just playing our music and having fun. And, uh, we're writing about what we know, you know, which yeah. is working and drinking and having fun on the weekends, you know. And, and those are pretty, I think, universal themes. And it's good to hear that because, I mean, one of the things with, with, you know, like Dropkick, you mentioned, they're very, pro one side or the other, and that can ostracize an audience. I mean, I, I think some people get very hung up on the contents. To me, if the song has a great melody, uh, you know, unless it's incredibly obscene, I don't I don't necessarily care. I grew up listening to bands like Wasp, so I wasn't easily offended. But, you know, you hate to have a band shove their political views in your face, especially if you don't agree with them. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a wise thing. Yeah, turn people off to you that you don't necessarily, you know, in this day, you kind of need as many fans as you can get to sort of make it. And yeah. we're not trying to lose friends over our, you know, yeah. our message or anything like that. Yeah, and I don't think anybody can disagree with, we all need to work hard, uh, play hard, uh, and have a yeah. good time. Those are pretty universal themes. Um, you play mandolin, banjo. Um, do you play the guitar at all in the band or just you? I do, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm actually a guitarist, 
uh, by training. I actually have a master's degree in classical guitar. Okay. Um, so I have been a guitarist my whole life, and I've kind of just understand fretted instruments. So when they were starting the band, they were, you know, they already had two guitars and a bass, and they're like, oh, we need a mandolin or a banjo or something. And uh, my friend John, the guitarist, um, said, you know, well, Danny can, you know, he's musically trained, so he could learn any instrument, probably, you know? Yeah. So, and I've had, I have brothers that, you know, I grew up playing all kinds of instruments from mandolin, banjo, sitar, even, and oud, like, you know, just strange instruments yeah. that are very similar to the guitar that I was easily able to kind of pick it up and, you know, fill that role for the band. I have to ask, uh, as, a, as a guitar player, but not classical myself, um, the classical guitar training, did that lend itself nicely to the picking of the banjo in particular? Uh, you know, yeah, actually, that's that's uh, people don't usually put that together, but it absolutely did, because on classical guitar, for anybody that doesn't know, you're, you're using your fingers as picks, you know? So I'm finger-picking everything. So on the banjo... You use the same. You have you use your fingers, or you use picks on your fingers. On your fingers, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's finger style. So it was actually easy to, you know, transfer to banjo because I didn't have to learn how to play with my fingers yeah. already. You know, since I already I was trained to do that. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm always in awe of banjo players. I'm not a, a big bluegrass fan uh, right. per se, but when you watch a guy. Flying on a banjo as a guitarist, you can certainly appreciate the speed and the precision. And, you know, so many guitars, myself included, we're used to holding on to that pick, picking a string or a multitude of strings. But, you know, you're, you're really going all over the place with, you know, basically four different picks. Right. And that's a whole different in- instrument. Um, I know. I really, I really do kind of fake it. <laughs> people don't normally notice, but I mean, some banjo players would definitely be able to tell that I'm just, Kind of faking it, but hey, no shame in that. Um, I have another kind of curiosity. You know, people when you listen to you know Irish themed music, uh, it's usually very recognizable even before the vocals and things like that. Are there particular scales that that tend to lead themselves well to this type of music? Yeah. um, So they're really. I'm glad you asked me because guys in the band may not even know this (laughs) about our music, but. Usually, so the first, like, scale that you think of, like, happy sort of Mm -hmm. drinking Irish music would be just a major scale, a regular major scale. Okay. Um, And usually a lot of rock um, songs or punk or, you know, they're they're not as blatantly major as, you know, Irish music. Yeah, I mean, we tend to to be there in the minor scales. Right, exactly. So, so the uh, so we definitely have a lot of just straight up major scales, um, and we stay within the key a lot of times for the happy dance around music that sound very, you know, sort of bright and sunny. Sort of, yeah. you know what I mean. But then, but then for like the uh, we have a couple like piratey sounding songs that that scale would be minor, and actually like the Dorian mode of the minor. Okay. Which is like I don't know, I'm I don't know if I'm gonna lose some people here, but okay, usually right. a minor scale, yeah, a minor scale is you know it has this uh, flatted six degree, but the Dorian has the sharp six, so it's kind of like a little more major than 
the natural minor, right. you know, so it sounds really uh, sea shanty, and it sounds very pirate songy, you know what I mean? So, and that's pretty common, like, actually, if you think of the song Shipping Up to Boston, mm-hmm. that's a song that is in that Dorian Moke, basically, so it has a very, you know, a nautical theme, but also, like, pirates and, you know, going after booty sort of yeah. sound to it, you know? No, I appreciate you indulging that question because that's always been, you know, kind of a question of mine when I started listening to this type of music. You know, is this, you know, you can feel it right from the music. Obviously, the type of instruments make a difference as well, but right, there, right. you can always tell there's something, you know, like you said, bright about it. So that's a, right, very interesting. Right. Now, um, how did you get into classical guitar? I mean, that's a that's a whole discipline yeah. in, in and of itself. Right. So I was. I started playing guitar when I was 12, um, and my mom had, had played guitar, just some, like, strung some chords, um, and my brothers kind of got into rock and roll, so my mom actually started teaching me just chords, and I kind of learned some rock tunes from my brothers, but then as I was, I was getting good and I was getting a little serious about it, at, like, 13 or 14, um, my mom took me to this guy's house, um, for, it was a guy that, uh, was going to the church that my mom was going to, and, you know, he played guitar in the church, and he was good, but nobody knew the difference between classical or rock or whatever style of guitar, so she just brought me to his house, and uh, I had this folk, like, nylon string classical guitar um, that I brought with me that I'd been playing on, and he he was from Venezuela, and he just assumed I wanted to learn classical guitar. So yeah. he said, "Oh yeah, you come to me for classical guitar lessons." And uh, I te- so I I I taught him, or he just taught me classical guitar, and I didn't know the difference at all. Um, so as I was learning, I really just fell in love with it, you know. And and um, he eventually he had to he had to go back to Venezuela for family reasons, and he recommended me to a teacher that teaches at Duquesne University. Okay. So that got me more serious and then I, you know, just really fell in love with it and uh, pursued it since since then, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to ask, uh, the nylon string guitar that you had at the time, was that somebody bought by accident or was that on purpose? Because I know, uh, you know one of the first guitars I got came, you know, from like Montgomery Wards back in the day with nylon strings and it was like, right, right, the right. heck is this? Um, exactly, yeah, and I think it was, it was, accidentally on purpose like my mom when she bought it because it was her guitar she bought it because somebody that she knew told her that playing on nylon strings is easier on your fingers okay you know and it's and it's easier to play which is true because like a, a steel string acoustic guitar is a whole lot of tension on the strings and the <laughs> strings are basically like you know little razor blades on your fingers when you first start you know yeah so people People have a hard time, you know, playing, and they get discouraged because their fingers hurt. Um, so it was, you know, she just bought it because, you know, someone said it would be easier to play, and it was, you know, it's the same tuning and everything. Sure. So that's why it was, you know, kind of accidentally on purpose. Yeah, I always tell people don't bother getting an acoustic at all for a, for a, a beginner, you know, because the electric guitar is so much easier to fret. You know, so many yeah, inexpensive acoustics have action that you could walk under. I know. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I actually, I teach guitar, and I tell them all, like, you know, you should probably try 
one of these nylon string guitars for, you know, mm-hmm. for the fingers so they don't hurt your fingers. And then even, yeah, electric guitars, I, I tend to not tell people to do that because it's not as transportable. You know, it's not as yeah. portable as just an acoustic guitar. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. The acoustic, I think everyone should own an acoustic guitar. I mean, it's a, it's like a God-given right that you should. Um, I agree. <laughs> now, um, was your family, did you have Irish descent in you? I mean, or was this just, Something yeah, yeah. To, that was kind of another question. Is that a requirement to be in the band? Do you have to have you know, some Belfast in <laughs> you? Or? Right. It's it's not a requirement in the band necessarily because I think I actually am the most Irish in the band, um, which, you know, uh, my last name, though, is German. So my yeah. dad was 50% Irish, 50% German, and my mom is 100% Irish. So I'm... 75% Irish and 25% German. Um, so I, I do have strong, like, Irish roots on my, mm-hmm. on my mom's side. Um, but my last name seems to say otherwise, you know. Yeah. But, but yeah, so I'm, I'm very, I'm, I am very Irish, but the guys in the band, I mean, I don't think Jim, the lead singer, even though he talks with an Irish accent, I don't think he has any Irish in him. I don't uh, think he even knows what he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other guys uh, have a little bit in them, and I think Rachel does fiddle players also a little bit Irish. Yeah. No, that's... Now, do you guys write as a? I mean, you, you've got what six people in the band. I mean, do you write collectively, or do you, um, you know, do you bring in something and say, "Hey, guys, check this out," and you all kind of noodle on it, or how do you? Right. Right. Um, so it, it kind of depends. So the, the, uh, we all have mainly the, the people who write are Jim and me and the guitar player, John. Okay. Um, and like Jim wrote, writes most of the songs, uh, cause he's kind of, he's kind of just comes up with things and he just like, is like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I guess I could use the word genius. You know, but it's like, I don't even understand how the, these things just come out of him, like, all the time. He has, like, a new lick every every week that turns into, you know, what I think is a great song, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, so the first song we wrote together, which was Jim's song, was Drink 'em Drank 'em on our mm-hmm. on our album. Yeah. Um, and we were all like, wow, Jim, I didn't, because he's just a punk rock guitarist, you know, and he just came up with these very Irish-sounding songs, you know? Um, and then, so he wrote most of our original songs, and the song Mutiny on our album, I wrote the lick to it, like the beginning lick, but then, you know, Jim kind of tweaked the other parts to write, like, another lick, and he wrote all the lyrics, um, and then there's a song, Patty O'Shea, which is John's song completely, like, he, um, came up with all the parts for us, and that'll be actually on our next album, but if you're, if you have seen us live, we play it all the time. Sure. But yeah, like it's usually somebody has a song that's like not fully complete or just even just a lick and then mm-hmm. we'll all just sit and kind of just work on it and say, oh yeah, I like that. And then, you know, what about this? What if we try this here? So it very much is once it starts, you know, we have we have the lick, then we all just work on it and try to see what we all agree upon that we want to do with the song. Now, with as as many different instruments as you guys have, you know, a, a, across your palette here, I mean, does someone come in and say, you know, 
John wants to throw in, in the whistle here, or you know, I think the mandolin would fit better than the banjo. I mean, who makes those kind of arrangement decisions, or is that again by committee? Right. It, there really isn't one person. You know, it just depends on what any one person in the mm-hmm. band is feeling. Okay. You know, like somebody might think, like, oh yeah, wait, I hear this on a whistle or something. You know, and or or this this part should be played on the fiddle. So Jim actually can figure out some of our parts mm-hmm. and teach us what he wants us to play okay. uh, at a certain part in the song. Um, and it very much depends on, you know, if, if there were, if we had the same song but six different people playing it, the song could be completely different, you know, sure. like sound completely different because it's definitely our own musical backgrounds that, that we, you know, want to contribute to the song or, or whatever. Right. Yeah, I even noticed that with, you know, your traditional songs like Whiskey in a Jar, I mean, it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard, I don't know how many versions of that song over the last right, right. 10 years or so, but yours doesn't jump out at me as, you know, here this is just a, you know, they're playing the same arrangement as, right. you know, the Irish Rovers or, or whomever. You know, it has exactly. a very, um, you know, distinct flavor to it that it seems to be, you know, cohesive with the rest of the album, which is, which is right, really right, cool. Right. And I wondered if there was somebody who said, you know, kind of one person who steers the musical ship. I mean, because this right. man, you know, six people in a band, I know most bands with four people in a band who can't make decisions, and you throw in six and, yeah. you know, 12 different That's instruments. And can, we do, yeah, it's it, it very much is democratic uh, when we write. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes somebody... Uh, will say, no man, I'm telling you, it sounds weird. It just sounds weird. And then we might not take his or her word for it until, you know, a month later. And it's like, okay, well, we like yours. You know, so it, it sometimes, there, there definitely are too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes. Yeah. And we either just, you know, somebody will buckle like and say, okay, whatever you guys want. Or, but it very much is democratic when we finally decide what to do. Yeah, I mean, plus it probably helps the fact that you guys are um, playing the you know new material live before you go into the studio, so you can work out, you know, get some feedback from more than just the six of you. Um, right. The original CD, um, the self-titled disc, that's available. Is it still through CD Baby? Uh, yeah, CD Baby. Uh, basically anywhere you can buy CDs. I think uh, even Amazon. I think. Yeah. Uh, where else do people? <laughs> But, I mean, and you can download it on iTunes um, or even our website. Uh, there's, like, basically anywhere that people buy CDs, apparently. Yeah. I don't know, because I don't buy CDs anymore. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's really, like, any we, we try to cover every single outlet for our album to be available to people. Sure. I know you guys are doing a show... Um as we're taping this, we're approaching Halloween, and you guys are doing a show with Gene the Werewolf over Halloween, correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's this weekend, actually, this Saturday. Yeah, that'll be a that'll be a fun one. I mean, two of the, the the brightest stars in the in the Pittsburgh musical landscape. Right. Yeah. Uh, kind of coming I'm together. I'm really excited about. It. Yeah. yeah, and it, you know, it's a fun show because I mean, both bands play very fun music, uh, stylistically right. very different, though. And uh, right, right. still make for a really good time. And then, what what um what does the rest of the year hold for you guys? Uh, sorry, say that again. What what do you guys have planned after uh, Halloween going into the end of oh, 2012 yeah. and 13? 
Yeah, really. Uh, so what's going to happen in, I mean, we have, a, uh, I think, another show in November in Cleveland. So we'll be just kind of playing a few shows mm-hmm. um, to uh, pay off our new mixer board, you know, around sure. town and around the around the Pittsburgh area. Um, but then in in December, we have a couple, you know, like we have a a, a couple shows planned for uh, New Year's. Uh, which I think, it may not be confirmed, but I, we're talking about playing with the Clarks, uh, okay. in the South Side for New Year's. Um, and then also we, we try to, we, we have a, a, a really big benefit coming up in November for one of our friends who actually passed away in a, in a drunk driving accident. Okay. And we do this, uh, uh, this George Evans is his name. And then okay. we do a memorial show for him every year around his birthday. Um, so we have, a lot of bands coming up for that. That's going to be at the Altar Bar okay. um, in the Surf District. Wonderful. Um, and I think, yeah, and I think, but then, actually, we were trying to take December off to record. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, December until March off oh, okay. to record. But then just these shows come up that we can't pass on. You yeah, know? That, that is the, the tricky thing. Right. And uh, do you have most of the new material kind of in the, in the you know, already written stage, or is it, do you guys... Still kind of in pre-production on that? Yeah, you know what? Actually, I think everything, we've decided on every song that we're going to play, and we're pretty much done. There's there's might be, there's one or two songs that, that Jim has written that we kind of need to learn or right. just really brush up on. Sure. Um, and we haven't even, you know, they haven't even been played live yet because they're, they're, they're still... We're still learning them. Sure. We're still, like, deciding what to do with them. But, but yeah, we're pretty much ready and it's just uh, a matter of like blocking out the time to be able to do it now yeah and i don't think it should take like we were planning on taking like three months off i don't i don't if we have enough time i think really one month could be we could finish it you know and have it have it out at least by i wish to have it out by january but i think we're gonna wait and and do it at uh saint patrick's day yeah that does seem to be kind of a you know, logical time for a giant city right. release party for a, yeah. for a band of your nature. That, that that would make some sense, but certainly. Well, I want to thank you, Danny, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. I wish you the best of luck on yeah. the uh, album. And when the new one's ready, let us know. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Good to talk to you. Bon Jovi in concert. Live in Pittsburgh. The man. The band. The hits don't miss Bon Jovi. It's my life, and it's February 21st at Consol Energy Center. No opening act. All night. All Bon Jovi. February 21st at Consol Energy Center. Tickets on sale Monday morning at 10 at Ticketmaster.com, 800-745-3000, and the box office. Have a nice day. Don't miss Bon Jovi, produced by AEG Live. More at BonJovi.com. Have a nice day. They're coming. The Dunks. The dribbling. The four-point shot. 
world-famous Harlem Globe Charters are coming to Pittsburgh. Playing the Consol Energy Center on Sunday, December 26th at 7 p.m. Give your kids the gift they won't ever forget. Tickets are available at Dick's Sporting Goods box office at Consol Energy Center, Ticketmaster.com, and all Ticketmaster outlets, or charge by phone at 800-745-3000. The Harlem Globe Charters at the Consol Energy Center, Wednesday, December 26th at 7 p.m. Saturday night, April 6th at Consol Energy Center. One night, one stage. Slohan is back live. The force and six string that defined a generation. Eric Clapton. Saturday, April 6th at Consol Energy Center. Eric Clapton and his special guest, The Wallflowers. Tickets make great holiday gifts. Reserve seats on sale Friday morning at 10 at Ticketmaster. The Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Eric Clapton. A Beaver production. Have you ever listened to an album and thought to yourself, man, I could do so much better than that? Well, here's your chance. My name is Sue, and I've decided to write my next album live and online at RageAndApathy.com. So come on over, leave me a comment, and tell me what you think about the album and where you think it should go. And as a bonus for you Iron City rockers out there, I will give you an exclusive copy of the first song as soon as I get it finished. So stop on over to RageAndApathy.com and join my madness. All right, there you have an introduction to the bastard-bearded Irishman. Again, a big thanks to Danny Rechtenwald for taking the time to come on the show. They're going to be doing a show with the Clarks in Pittsburgh if you're in the area at the Rex Theater coming up on Friday, December 28th. They'll be opening for the Clarks. Uh, so you've kind of got the old-school uh, Clarks who have been around in Pittsburgh, as many of you know, for the, probably the past 25, 30 years. Uh, and the new guys in town, the bastard-bearded Irishman. So it'll be a fun show uh, for sure. And I would look to see more of the Bastard Bearded Irishman in 2013 and uh, probably see them on the road in your neck of the woods if you're not in Pittsburgh. So if you would like to, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. You can follow the Bastard Bearded Irishman too, facebook.com forward slash Bastard Bearded Irishman. And also we are on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. iTunes. Download the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast. We deeply appreciate any reviews or comments on the podcast on iTunes. Also, in the iTunes App Store, Iron City Rocks Connect, our uh, one-stop place to hear the show, watch the show, listen to the show. Everything you need to do with the show is available for free. Also, you can search for Cast Iron Ring while you're in the App Store. As you know, Iron City Rocks is part of the Cast Iron Ring network of podcasts, and you can visit castironring.com for all the information on the other great shows. Uh, For those of you in the Pittsburgh area, I would urge you to check out Wiki Metal, which is also on Cast Iron Ring. Uh, Did a great interview with uh, Nick Katniss of Black Label Society and also of Southwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, That show is actually in Portuguese. Uh, They are from uh, Brazil. 
but the interview with Nick is in English, and they have isolated it on our website, castironring.com. You can listen to it via their SoundCloud link. So, if you'd like to get a hold of us, ironcityrocks at gmail.com, or you can message us on Facebook. Uh, we're always running little contests and things like that, so it makes it worth your effort to keep an eye on that. So, I'd like to thank you for listening. I invite you back next time for some more great surprises. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.